Hey, this is Steve Allen. I'm the pastor of Destiny Christian Center in Laplace, Louisiana. I want to thank you for joining us today on the Discovering Your Destiny broadcast. I hope it builds your faith, helps you to grow in every area of your life. Enjoy this message. started a series of messages on divine people skills. Uh, and again, I say that people skills, when I say people skills, I'm talking about our ability to relate to people. If we're going to be successful in the kingdom, and even in our life in general, we've got to learn how to relate to people. Now, I want us to get as many people in the kingdom of God as possible. That's why we have to learn how to relate to people properly. I said in our last lesson that my goal in this series is, first of all, I want us to, of course, learn how to develop people's skills, and secondly, develop people principles from God's word, and thirdly, to glorify God in our relationships. And then fourthly, we want to preserve the potency of our faith. Now, for the sake of review, for the sake of review, we had two main points in our last lesson. Uh, the first one is that the quality of our fellowship with God depends on our ability to relate to people properly. If you love God, you've got to love people. Yes. Tell somebody that you've got to love people. Secondly, our second point was that your success, your fulfillment, and your happiness in life depends on your ability to relate and to work with people. You've got to learn how to work with people. Now, today, we're going to deal with a specific people skill, and that people skill is righteous judgment. Say righteous judgment. Righteous judgment. Come on, everybody say that with me. Say righteous judgment. righteous judgment. I want you to turn your Bibles to John chapter 8. Uh, verse, and we're going to read from verses 1 to 11. John 8, verses 1 to 11. Do me a favor. Turn that monitor this way for me, if you don't mind. You found it? You there? John chapter, St. John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what saith thou? This they said, tempting him that they might have, have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even until the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Have no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Now, First of all, you have to understand that all of this was done to trick Jesus. 
they really didn't care about this woman. They really didn't care about what she was doing. You know, I often wondered how they knew of a woman who was at, the very, at that very moment committing adultery at that moment when Jesus was teaching in the synagogue. And that lets you know that it was a trick. You see, in Jesus' day, uh, Jews had no say in corporal punishment. And legally, Jesus couldn't say yay or nay for the questions they asked him. So instead of him uh, answering them directly, he just made them look at themselves. And you know, when we're made to look at ourselves, it'll change your perspective of other people. So we have this woman, we have Jesus in the midst, and then we have the rock throwers, and they're ready to stone this woman. My question today to you is, what side are you on? Are you a rock thrower? Will you look at somebody and ask them that and say, are you a rock thrower? <laughs> now, I want you to hold that, that uh, scripture, but flip right over to John 7 and 24. John 7. Just back up one, one chapter. Chapter 7, verse 24. Listen to what it says. Judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. The Amplified Version of the Bible says, be honest in your judgment and do not decide at a glance superficially and by appearances, but judge fairly and righteously. Now, I want you to notice that Jesus says, Judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteously. So we can see that there are two types of judgment. Number one, there's judging according to the appearance. And number two, there's righteous judgment. When you judge according to the appearance, you'll end up, being, uh, you'll end up manifesting a condemning or a critical spirit. But on the other hand, when you judge righteously, righteous judgment will manifest itself in godly discernment, and in mercy. Now, there are three points that I, I want to bring out in order for us to operate in righteous judgment. Number one, understand that true judgment always begins with self. Come on, say that with me. Say, true judgment, true judgment. Always, begins always begins with me. With me. You know, I think one of the biggest problems that we've had in the church is that we've always had people that were skillful in seeing the shortcomings and the weaknesses of others, but very few people start with themselves. They used to sing a song, it's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord. I'm the one that's standing in the need of prayer. And really, it's easy for us to see what's wrong with everybody else. From, from my vantage point, I can stand and look at everybody and I can see what's wrong with everybody. Or you can stand from your vantage point and see what's wrong with everybody else. But the real question is, can you see what's wrong with you? Look how y'all looking at me. Listen, let me show you something. Go to um, Matthew chapter 7. I'm going to read verses 1 through 7. (laughs) 
You there? Yes. If you're not there, say wait. All right. You sit next to somebody that said wait, tell them hurry up. <laughs> listen, listen to this. Judge not that ye be not judged. For with that what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with that what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thine brother's eye? but consider not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the mote of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then thou shalt see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. Now look, I, I got to read this for you in the Message Bible because it breaks it down great. Listen to what it says. Don't pick on people. Jump on their failures. Criticize their faults unless, of course, you want the same treatment. That critical spirit has a way of boomeranging. It's easy to see a smudge on your neighbor's face and be oblivious to the ugly sneer on your own. Do you have the nerve to say, let me wash your face? Wash your face for you when your own face is distorted by contempt? It's this whole traveling road show mentality all over again, playing a holier-than-thou part instead of just living your part. Wipe that ugly sneer off of your own face, and you might be fit to offer a washcloth to your neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> Wash your face first. <laughs> listen, listen. Jesus says that the judgmental carnal mind always sees a reflection of itself in others. And he says that there's a plank of wood, a two by four, protruding out of your eye. And it's messing up your sight because you think that you're looking at somebody else, but in reality, you're looking at yourself. And he, he demands that we understand our own need for mercy and grace. And out of the mercy that we receive, we should compassionate, compassionately minister that mercy and grace to other people. Are y'all with me here? And quite frankly, it's easy for me to be compassionate with you if I'm honest with myself. But if I think that I've got it all together, I'll be a rock thrower. Let me tell you something. There's no way that I can be judgmental of people when I think of all the stuff that God brought me through. Anybody here been delivered from something? Anybody here have a testimony of God being merciful to you? Anybody here want to thank God for his grace and his mercy? Listen, I know I tell y'all a lot. I tell you a bunch of my business. I done told you about all the stuff I did in the past. But listen, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I misquoted. I didn't tell you all. I told you a lot. But there's some stuff that I have not told and I ain't gonna tell. There's some stuff that only God and I know, and I'm glad that only God and I know. And I'm not the only one in here. Y'all can look at me like you want. 
I'm glad. Actually, sometimes I think about if you really knew everything, if you'd even be here. But <laughs> there's some stuff that God has delivered me from I never told anybody. So you know what? When I think about how good God has been to me and how merciful God has been to me, how in the world am I going to look down on somebody else? And church folk have this bad. See, we're trying to win folk to Christ, but you can't win folk to Christ looking down on them, talking, oh, I can't believe. What you mean you can't believe? You used to do it too. And if God delivered me, he can deliver anybody. And you've got to get to that place where you say, well, look, I know God's been merciful to me. If he did it for me, he can do it for my brother. He can do it for my sister. Looking down on people. Shame on you. Shame on you. think God ran out of power when he delivered you? I know it took a lot of power. <laughs> There's absolutely no way I can look down on anybody because the same God that delivered me can deliver somebody else. Come on, somebody say, thank God for his grace and his mercy. That's what Jesus told these fellows. He that's without sin let him cast the first stone. And you'll notice that they dropped the rocks. And the Bible says they went out one by one. And guess what? We'll drop our rocks when we take a close look at ourselves. And what we all need to do is pray and say, Lord, deal with me and show me me. We need, uh, can I just help you out? If you spend the majority of your time making sure you're straight, you won't have time to look at nobody. <laughs> See, okay, let's just get real. It, it takes me all my time to make sure I'm walking up right. And it's work. It's work. I know, I know you got it all together. I'm, I'm work. I'm working on me all the time. People still get on my nerves. <laughs> People, I still want to tell folks stuff. So it, it's, it's work for me. It's work for me. People try to run me off the road on the, on the road on the highway. They just pull over in front of me. It's work for me. It's work for me not to accelerate and run behind them. It's work. So I need, I have to spend all of my time making sure that I'm walking upright. So, so, you know, you, if you spend more time, just think about it, if everybody focused on themselves and made sure that they were walking upright, think about how great things would be. You, you really don't have time to focus on yourself when you're focusing on everybody else. All right, let me, let me move on. That, that didn't go over too well. Number two, realize, listen to this, this is important. Realize that true judgment is rooted in and is a product of love. When I have knowledge based on love, it is then that I will be able to judge accurately. See, if you read about the life of Jesus, he was always accurate in his judgment, and that was because everything was done in love. He had a love motive. And see, all of us need to ask ourselves the question, am I really motivated by love? Do I do what I do with a motive of love? 
Do I say what I say? Because I'm motivated by love. I was, uh, you know, I do these videos on Facebook and social media every Friday. Sometimes I get, every now and then I get somebody that will try to say something crazy. I call them, I call them internet gangsters. Because <laughs> they get, they real bold behind that, that, that little keyboard, you know. So, and, you know, I, sometimes they'll say something crazy. Uh, and most of, most of the time, I ignore it. I had a fellow say something last week. And I didn't ignore it. He said something, I mean, some guy way, I don't even know where he was from, Delaware, somewhere, he's not even from here. And uh, I, I did a video, I was sitting in my car, and he, and you know what they do, they find somebody that's got like a pretty decent number of followers, and they, they like to put their little stuff in there, you know, and think that you're not going to read it, and they can just put, press their little point or whatever. So he says, yeah, you're sitting in your little luxury car, and all your people are starving. And I'm like, you, what are you talking about? You know all my people? <laughs> I don't know. Are they starving? I don't know. I, I got some fat people. Uh, <laughs> so I'm not. I'm just. I'm just talking. I'm just playing. Look. So I said, okay. I I didn't answer him uh, on my page, but I inboxed him. And uh, I said, brother. Uh, obviously, you don't really know me. And I really want to encourage you to do some research before you make all of these public statements. Uh, I appreciate your concern about my members. And this is my prayer that what you did was motivated out of love and concern. And I left it at that. I hope that you really did this being motivated by love. Now, did I know that he, he was motivated by love? Probably not. But I wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt. And what I'm saying to you is everything you do should be motivated by love. Whatever Jesus did, he did it because of love. So we're supposed to be Christ-like. And what we do should be motivated by, tell your neighbor, you should be motivated by love. And listen to this, you can't really judge a situation accurately if you're not motivated by love. You can't judge anything correctly if you're trying to find something wrong. Are you with me here? Go, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And uh, look at verses 4 and 5. You there? No, you're not. You want to know something funny? I'm not either. I was in 2 Corinthians. All right, here we go. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Now, charity is love. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunted not itself, is not puffed up, does not behave itself unseemly, Seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, listen to the last part, thinketh 
no evil. Come on, somebody said, thinketh no evil. Love thinks no evil. When you are motivated by love, you're looking for the best in people, not the worst. You're looking for, and we got to get to the place where we try to see the best in people. It's easy to focus on the worst, but can we focus on the best in people? Look for the good in situations. Look for the good in people. When you're motivated by love, you are looking for the best. Now, look back at the rock throwers. They were not motivated by love. The Bible says that they did what they did to tempt Jesus. They couldn't find anything to accuse him of, so they were just trying to set him up. They were jealous of Jesus. He had a crowd, and they hated that. They were jealous. They were envious of him. So their position was a position of envy and not love. Listen to me. You cannot trust your judgment when your heart is not right. You cannot trust your judgment when your heart is not right. And I'll tell you something else. When you have a lot of, a lot of uh, emotional baggage, don't make a judgment. You got to get rid of the judgment first. Because what will happen is you'll judge everything according to your experience. Let's say that you've been hurt by a preacher. And obviously my, my man on Facebook had been hurt by somebody. You've been hurt by a preacher. Then you come in here and you start looking at me funny. Because you're still carrying this emotional baggage. So while I'm up here teaching, you put his head on my body. Hunt your neighbor. Push him on the shoulder. Say, snap out of it. That's not him. And, and I use the preacher, but even in relationships, you can't make judgments in, in certain relationships because if you have a lot of emotional baggage, you need to unload the baggage first before you make a judgment on somebody else. I don't, ain't no man no good. Well, you don't know all men. I hope you don't know all men. But... <laughs> no woman's any good. You don't know all women. You can't use a broad brush and, and paint people because you've had a bad experience. So what you need to do is empty the emotional baggage first before you make a judgment. Mm -hmm. Oh, and let me help you out. Uh, just talking about relationships. Let me, let me help you. If you've gone through a bad relationship, you're not ready for another relationship until you've gotten over the other one. It's not fair to bring somebody in until you get rid of the emotional baggage. You know why? Because you'll be sitting there judging this person by what somebody else did. And they won't even know it. They won't even know. You're sitting at, at dinner. Y'all sitting at dinner in a restaurant? And you're looking at the you looking at the guy, and he's trying to figure out what's wrong with you. You ain't talking. You're just looking at him. You got a whole conversation going on in your head. <laughs> yeah, Fred used to hold his fork like that. <laughs> ah. mm -hmm. I see some similarities. <laughs> ah. 
Yeah, he had his hair cut just like this. I obviously have a kind, a type. I must have a type. And you see, <laughs> so you're sitting there and you're judging this person based on the last relationship you had. You need to get rid of that emotional baggage first before you involve somebody else in your life. Get that person out your head before you bring somebody else in your life. Ooh, that's a quote right there. Get that other person out of your head before you bring somebody else in. Now, I don't make somebody mad, but I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help you. You need to empty that emotional bag first before you. You're not ready to make a judgment on anything until you've gotten rid of the emotional baggage. Number three, wait until you hear before you judge. Now, within this, this, this point, I have three, three keys. Here's number one. Get all of the facts. Come on, somebody shout, get all the facts. Ecclesiastes 12 and 13 says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. You know, sometimes we make judgments, but we don't have all of the facts. Now let's look back at the, at, the, at the rock throwers. The Bible says that this woman was caught in the very act of adultery, but they only brought the woman. So they didn't have all the parties that were involved. Because last time I checked, it took more than one person to be involved in adultery. So you got to get all the facts. Number two, Wait until you hear all sides. Now I have Bible for that. Go to Proverbs uh, 18 and 17. I'm almost finished. Believe it or not. I think. Proverbs 18 and 17. He that is first in his own cause seemeth just. But his neighbor cometh and searcheth him. Let me, let me uh, read this in the Amplified because it makes it plain. He who states his case first seems right until his rival comes and cross-examines him. <laughs> the Living Bible says any story sounds true until someone tells the other side and sets the record straight. I, I got a confession. When I, uh, when I first started pastoring, I had a lot to learn. And I would have counseling sessions with uh, wives that were having marital problems. And they would come in talking to me about their husbands and crying. And, and I would have tissue on my desk and they would just use a whole box. Pastor, you just can't treat me right. I'm standing on the word. I'm trying to live right. He just ain't right, And I'm sitting there thinking, you poor little thing. And she finished talking about it. I got to be honest, I, I was thinking to myself, that, that low-down, dirty dog. <laughs> now, first of all, I shouldn't have been thinking anything because I, the Lord had just cleaned me up. <laughs> I should have been thinking, if the Lord can change me, he can change anybody. Well, <laughs> I would sit there and i get caught up in those emotions. And then finally, the man would come to my office. i get a chance to talk to him. And he comes and tells the other side, hey, Pastor, she won't cook. She won't clean nothing. She writing bad checks. She's depleted the savings account. 
we almost got put out the house. <laughs> now, don't get me wrong, Pastor. Don't get me wrong. She really saved because, you know, she in church all the time, Pastor. Every time the church door opens, she's in church all the time. She read the Bible all night, Pastor. She look at TBN all night, Pastor. That's all. I mean, everything, Pastor. She got all. She, she looked like an evangelist around the house, Pastor. She's a super saint, but she don't have no time for her husband. And that ain't right. Let me help you, sisters. I said, that ain't right. I want you here. How for you to be here when the, every time the door's open. That, that's good. You should be at church. But you shouldn't be at church so much that you're not taking care of home. an obligation to take care of home. Don't come in here talking about pastor, pastor, pastor. You need to be home talking about husband, husband, husband. <laughs> oh yeah, pastor. She's a super saint. We can't even get the mood right because she played gospel music all the time. <laughs> that ain't right. Y'all can look at me like you won't. I'm, I'm going to be real with it. That ain't right. I'm, I'm, I'm I'm just as saved as everybody in here. I'm a married man, and I don't want to hear gospel music all the time. I'm a married man. I need to hear the Isleys sometimes. Tell my wife, let's get it on. No. <laughs> oh, baby. <laughs> Is she in here? Oh, okay. Y'all looking back. Huh? Listen, listen, listen. You got to have some balance. So I had to hear the other side of the story. I tell, let me just stop there for a minute. Can I, I, I really need to uh, get this across. I need to get this across. I, when, when young ladies come, uh, to to serve in, on the nurses' guild, I tell them all the time. Look, don't come in here serving water to me, and your husband can't get water at home. That's not right. And then he coming in here looking at me cross-eyed. <laughs> I'm gonna look at him getting water. She's just bringing him water, and I can't get a cup of coffee. You've got to have some. So I had to hear the rest of the story. I had to hear the rest. So you need to get both sides. As they used to say, uh, there's always three sides to a story. My side, your side, and the truth. <laughs> let, me, let me hear you say, thank God, thank God. I'm, delivered I'm delivered from throwing rocks. From throwing rocks. Now, I, I'll close. I want to close with a balancing state. Now, most of the time when people teach from this, this text um, where this woman was caught in adultery, a lot of times they use this story to condone sin. But you'll notice that the last thing Jesus said to this woman was go and sin no more. So this was an act of mercy, but it was not condoning what she did. And he was basically giving her directions for her life, and that was 
turn right and go straight. You know, I, I, I hear, and I'm hearing it even more now, I hear that some, some of the, the brothers, could be members of visitors, they come to church and they hear my testimony of how, you know, I, I, I live a worldly life and they hear about how my wife was merciful to me and prayed us through it. And they will try to use my testimony to condone their actions. Yeah, come on now, you gotta give me time. Malin prayed for Steve. And your wife is ready to tell you, I'm not Marilyn, you ain't Steve. But don't use, don't use, and see, I don't tell you the stuff that God delivered me from so you could go back and do it. I'm telling you so you don't make the same mistakes. Then I mean, you don't take a testimony and say, oh, yeah, I'm going to use that testimony for my own life. Not in a negative way. You hear somebody come up and testify about being sick and they got healed? You want to do that too? Let me get sick so I can have a testimony of being healed. That's crazy. It's the same like, man, I would use my testimony to, to use it to condone your lifestyle. I tell my testimony so you, I can also tell you like Jesus told this woman, turn right and go straight. So we've got to learn to love, to be righteous in our judgment. Let's stop throwing rocks. Let's stop being judgmental of people and loving them to another level. We got to love people. Love them where they are and they'll get to another. You be that example. Just be an example. Don't tell them, show them. Just walk upright and let them see God in your life. Your life should be a sermon. People ought to be able to follow you and you lead them right to Christ. Not just by your words, but by your life. Put down your rocks. Tell your neighbor, put down your rocks. Come on, look at somebody. Say, put down your rocks. Well, I hope you enjoyed the message today. If you're ever in the greater New Orleans area, please visit Destiny Christian Center at 612 Main Street in Laplace, Louisiana. If not, you can visit us at destinychristian.org radio. 